National Counties Cricket Association podcast with Jim Law and Richard Lundberg. Bedfordshire, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Cambridgeshire, Cheshire, Cornwall, Cumbria, Devon, Dorset, Herefordshire, the NCCA podcast, Hertfordshire, Lincolnshire, Norfolk, Northumberland, Oxfordshire, Shropshire, Staffordshire, Suffolk, Wales National Counties, Wiltshire. We've got National Counties Cricket covered. So here we go, another edition of the NCCA podcast, Law and Logie. We've got a special guest as well. Um, Rich, we've uh, just about finished the competition. Nearly, nearly. nearly. Yeah, we're, near, we're, we're nearly there. The group stages are done and uh, yeah, the weekend didn't, didn't, uh, didn't disappoint both on excitement and performances. So uh, a lot to cover. Luckily, not as much as last week. So there won't be too many stats being thrown at people. But um, yeah, it was a great weekend and... We've got four really top sides in the final, so um, I'm looking forward to next Sunday it'll be. And I think uh, most of the players will be looking forward to a weekend off, won't they? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I certainly am. Um, <laughs> just to just to get to catch our breath, really. Um, with so much cricket being played with the double headers and, and actually the Sunday Monday, on top of the fact that everyone plays two games, it's been a, been a pretty intense start to the season, but. Having said that, I think it's been brilliant. I've travelled around a lot. I know other other sort of NCCA board members have done the same, and the feedback I've had is that the tournaments run really well. Um, the host clubs have been great, and the the cricket has been of a really really high standard. So we couldn't really have asked for more. And it's a really great start to the season. And it, it seems to work well. I know we've talked about this before, but the the, the way you boxed off. The, the T20s at the start of the season, then we move on to the to the fifty over, and then we go to the uh, the three day game. Yeah, I, I think it does. I think it does run well, and, and hopefully, when we review the whole season um, and we talk to the players and and the counties and we get some feedback, then hopefully that will be this, the, the the same sort of feedback from from everybody. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's worked really well. Uh, like I say, it's been a really intense sort of high intensity start to the season. I think that can only be a good thing for for the players to really get into the season and um, and and then sort of move into the fifty over, which is obviously a relatively similar um, strategy of playing. Uh, so, yeah, it's hopefully it'll work well. And uh, you've been lucky with the weather as well, which makes a change. <laughs> we have been really lucky. I think well, there's been a, while, a handful of games that have been affected by rain or, or cooled off because we don't want... We never, nobody who plays cricket wants to be rained off, do they? So it's, um, yeah, we want to make sure that we've got the, the right people going through and there was no sort of rain-affected games that really affected the groups, and I don't think that's been the case. Okay, so uh, with uh, any further ado, shall we uh, shall we have a look at Group One? Then what happened there first off? Yeah, so in Group One, uh, Cumbria and Staffs played against each other in a, in a double header there, uh, and obviously this was fairly integral to the top, or, or could have been to the top of the top of the table. Um, Cumbria batted first in in the first game uh, and, and posted 107, which was a fairly modest total, I think. Um, they, they batted the whole 20 overs. Jack Redman obviously bowled really well, two for 18, uh, and Matt Semple was top scorer with 38 not out. Um, and Staffs probably with a bit of uh, the run rate in the back of their mind went about chasing that, and they did that in style. Um, Alex Mello was 36 not out of 27 balls uh, with a strike rate of 133, but looked no doubt relatively pedestrian with Ricky Vessels at the other end, who got 65 off 20 balls. Um, which included 50 off 14, which I believe is the quickest in NCCA T20 history. I know we've only been playing for a few years, but still, 
it, it could even be, um, and don't quote me on this, the quickest in any sort of official cricket um, because it's it's a hell of an effort. Um, yeah. And obviously, uh, his strike rate for his whole innings was 325. So, yeah, they made mincemeat of that total, um, 108 for non off 7.4 overs. So that was a hell of a start for staffs. Um, I mean, that's, that's 46 it, balls, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just incredible. <laughs> it, it, it really like it's. I, I was looking at, as I do on a Sunday. I see it while I was at I was at a game, but I, I look on uh, play cricket and keep up to date with all the things. And I, I looked at it and I was I, I couldn't quite get my breath at no. the, the the speed of that. So like we've talked about Ricky in, in, uh, earlier on in the season, and, and he, he's got some runs, but he's one of the cleanest hitters I've ever played with. Uh, I, I know that, so I thought he'd, I thought he'd be a really dangerous player. He's obviously got. Loads and loads of experience. He's a very high quality player, but um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty amazing inning. So well played to Ricky on that, um, and it probably certainly helped their run rate. Um, well, they they overtook they overtook Cheshire at the halfway point. Um, they were I think it was something like point nine six versus point two or something, and right. uh, they just overtook them. It was it sent some yeah. shockwaves through in uh, in the other game, which we'll come on to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in the second game, Cumbria batted first again and, and made a slightly better fist of it. They they um, they posted 120 for six off their 20 overs. Um, Michael Slack uh, top scored with 31, uh, but Pete Wilshaw bowled three overs, three for seven, which is again a hell of an effort in T20. Um, not such a fluid chase by the looks of things, but Staffs did get there in the end uh, with a ball to spare and two wickets left. They uh, they ended up with 124 for eight. Uh, they were 68 for eight there. Um, so Jack Redman uh, with 16 not out and Grant Thornton with 14 not out. Obviously put on a bit of a stand there and got them over the line. Um, there was a couple of wickets each for Josh Sterling, Nico Watt and Regan Jackson for Cumbria, but that wasn't enough. They couldn't quite get those last couple of wickets. So staffs have come away with two victories in the weekend and, and heaped the pressure on uh, you guys in the other in the other two games. Certainly did, which was up at uh, South Northumberland. Indeed, and you weren't to be outdone, were you? Um, so Northumberland <laughs> batted first, and they posted 139 off their 20 overs, five wickets down. Um, John Oswald top scored with 53, um, and Nick Anderson led with the ball for you guys for uh, with three for 25. And then in a similar vein, um, Cheshire knocked it off, 10 wickets remaining in the 16th over, 142. Um, with Rob Semi, 86 off 46 balls, and Sam Perry, 51 off 46. So not quite a 325, but still uh, a hell of an effort, just short of 10 and over the whole way through without losing a wicket. So that must have um, that must have helped with uh, your run rate and, and confidence going into that second game as well. Yeah, it, it, it did, but um, it was a kind of nervy old day because say that the, the score came through from, uh, well, for both games really, uh, from uh, from Carlisle, and you thought, well, you know, from a Cheshire point of view, you just have to win. That's all you have to do, just win. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly some nerves. Well, well, on the sideline they were, put it that way. Yeah, no, I can imagine, especially with Northumberland, they backed first again, first in that second game, and, and posted 184 for one off 20 overs. So there must have been some hearts beating. Um, Alistair Appleby, who's done well all year, did well last year, has been a sort of constant name that we've talked about uh, over the last couple of seasons. He scored 102 off 62 balls, uh, supported by John Oswell, um, who got 45. So yeah, I can imagine that was a pretty nervy chase trying to get to trying to get to that total. <coughs> but that total you got to 
quite comfortably by the looks of it in the end. Um, in the in the 19th over with a over and over to spare, eight wickets remaining. Um, yeah, Rob Semi more runs, 53. Sam Perry 63 not out to add to his 51. Uh, with uh, Will Evans also getting 36 not out as well. So um, that's a that's a, a hell of a, a hell of a chase, uh, which looked relatively comfortable, which is amazing to say when you're chasing the best part of 190. Um, and I suppose with all these things going into a weekend like this, all you want to do is be in control of your own destiny. Um, yeah. and, and although there was some pressure coming from staffs at another game, you knew that if you won both games, you were going to qualify. So that must have been quite a good position to be in as well. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, and I mentioned for Sam Perry, actually, because he was he was actually on the field for the whole of both games, not out, oh, out in the batting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, um, a great day, a super, super place, place to play. Um, word for, for South Northumberland, who uh, had, a, had a theft in the week um, with their uh, with with their uh, video equipment, which was a which was a shame. But um, yeah, oh, no. yeah, beautiful setting, um, great place to play cricket. And- yeah, absolutely, it's a great place to play cricket. Um, so Group One, how it finished up? We had Northumberland played eight with two points uh, at the bottom. Shropshire played eight uh, already previous to this weekend with six points. Cumbria also played eight with six points. Staffs ended up two points adrift. Um, having played there eight, they were finished with 12 points. And out on top, Cheshire um, playing eight games and won 14, uh, sorry, 14 points. So, yeah, really sort of uh, solid, clear winners of that group. And, uh, yeah, it was your call as well, wasn't it? My, my, uh, <laughs> my, my, my count is sort of uh, leaking down into fourth position. But, um, no, it really deservedly uh, I think winning winning that group having having looked back on the results and uh, and everything else and obviously 14 points from eight games is is a, is a solid effort uh, okay yeah. so on the line um, from Cheshire we have uh, Rob Semi yeah, thanks for joining us mate no 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 worries at all happy to be here happy to be here it's just so it's uh, as we've covered off it's been a pretty good start to the season for both yourself and Cheshire um, but we'll come on to that in a second uh, mm-hmm. when we when we have players on it's always good to have a bit of an insight into how you sort of personally and, and as a team prepare for the season so how was sort of January February March time for, for, for Cheshire I suppose is the best place to start yeah it was um, January February March I think um, <laughs> we, we were scrambling around a bit I must admit it was um we were trying to book in sessions. We were trying to to do those sorts of things. Yeah, obviously, you try and do the right things in the run-up, but we had a few kind of COVID scares and a, and a couple of things, uh, a couple of training sessions called off. And I think the squad, as it, as it is, as we speak, actually, the full 11 never really got together um, before the season started. So, um, But in terms of that, the prep probably wasn't as, as good as we'd like it to be. But, I mean, it, it's one of the things that's united us quite a lot as a, as a side. And, and we've worked really well together. And, and, and yeah, so, it, I mean, we've, we're all very, very close-knit group. We're 11 guys, 12 guys who, who all speak to each other on a daily basis and are good mates away from the, the uh, away from the field as well. So the preparation side, it wasn't as good as we'd like it to be, but we're certainly, uh, we're certainly close-knit anyway. Yeah, best friend fresh, I think, is the is the phrase for that, isn't it? Sometimes, um, and you get in, and 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 obviously we've all been through a bit of a, a torrid time over the eighteen months, and getting back into that rhythm of getting people together, um, and obviously everybody's busy anyway, so it, it's never it's never that easy. But you, you touched on there that you're closely grew. I suppose that's really key, isn't it? Especially in T Twenty when it's quite high intensity, and and the and the matches can sort of 
go from from one side losing to, to potentially winning a game and, and being at a really close unit, that's really key for those sort of situations, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think so. Uh, we speak about it a lot in the dressing room where, I mean, we, we came up against a, an extremely strong Staffordshire side um, they, I mean, they've got a, a team full of world beaters, but we ended up winning that first game because we we are so close knit. We know our, we know each other's skills, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, etc. And we're able to play on that, and we we work so well. And and especially, for example, that that last game against Northumbria where we had to win to to go through. We didn't panic. We knew, we no one. We we reassured each other, and we were confident, and we know each other and we're able to feed off each other it doesn't uh being close-knit i would arguably say is is as good as having three or four superstars at the side so um yeah no i i think it's a massively important thing yeah absolutely so with regards to yourself did you get much cricket in, uh before the season started <laughs> no i probably had about three hits and all honestly <laughs> i didn't even know what end of the bat to all when i first uh, first rocked up to the practice game but you yeah, didn't have a bad right. knock on the Saturday, did you? Before the uh, before the game, is that the Northumbria game, Jim? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think. Well, I think my my league record looked like um, one off fifteen and zero off two, and then went to one hundred twenty eight not out. So I think uh, I was still a little bit nervous about what uh, what I was doing in the red ball cricket. But yeah, no, no, came in some pretty good form. But uh, yeah, absolutely, just uh, still. Uh, well, still, well, even even up to that last game, felt maybe slightly undercooked in terms of being able to play in the longer format. Yeah, we've talked about it a bit in previous weeks that actually, because it's kind of like really packed together, and it feels like it's been a really intense start to the year. That if you do start okay and you get a few runs or a few wickets in those first couple of games, it's actually great to have all the games sort of piled on top of each other because you kind of keep that momentum going, both as an individual where you scored runs and um and also then as a team if you've got those if you've got that winning sort of streak going it's all about momentum isn't it yeah absolutely i think the word momentum is so key and we we definitely speak about it a lot and it, it's just one of those things i think it can be quite daunting when you look at the fixture list and and for example playing um playing sort of Sunday, Monday on the bank holiday weekend, it's it's quite a commitment and doing that. But when you are in, in a bit of a groove, dare I say, it's, uh, yeah, life life feels a little bit better. And it, it, as you say, yes, it is, it's a, a blessing in disguise having everything packed quite closely together. And yeah, you, you certainly, you're able to feed off that and pick up your own skills and uh, yeah, just, just kind of run with it really. And that's uh, that's certainly what, what I'm trying to do and certainly what we're doing as a side. Yeah, it's certainly better than being on the flip side of it and getting null every game, and then you got another game tomorrow and another game tomorrow, and you just want to have a bit of a, <laughs> yeah. a, a blowout. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, I think you, you want to bury yourself in the, in the ground when that happens. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's the thing with T20 cricket. You, I suppose as a bowler, you're only one wicket away, but as a batter, you may be like one one good shot, one four, one six away from actually going. Actually, I can I can feel it again, and you get that you get that momentum back. So. Um, with, with regards to yourself, there's your background's relatively uh, interesting. With regards to, I, I saw you've played some stuff for the Belgian A group. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so uh, when I was younger, my, my father's work took me over to Belgium, and I was lucky enough to to live for 13 years uh, over in that part of the world, which which was amazing, um, and just kind of picked it up through there and. And was lucky enough to uh, to kind of come through a very very good um, 
youth setup that they do have because the European leagues, as much as they may be kind of looked down on and um, uh, and all this kind of European championships that are coming through, I think it's just showing that, that cricket is a big part of part uh, in that part of the world, and it, it's 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 growing. Um, and so yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have a have a very good set of people around me in in that part of the world, and and um, yeah, I very much enjoyed my time whilst I was playing over there. Yeah, well, we're massive, like massive, big advocates of what Dan Weston and his his team of guys are doing, both not not only obviously in Belgium but all over Europe to sort of promote cricket, get more exposure for cricket. We obviously played in that European Cricket Championships last year, which was great fun. We're going mm-hmm. back this year, so it, you, you can definitely tell that cricket's very much on the on the up around Europe, and um, it's great to hear that that Belgium already had something in place a few years ago. I think only that's going to grow both in Belgium and, like I said, all the other sort of associate nations that are looking to get into get into cricket in a bigger way and, and get into these T20 tournaments that people are qualifying for all the time. So, no, that's really interesting. Um, and then you came you came back over here. You're uh, where did you play your club cricket? Uh, where do I play it now? Well, when, when I first came over, I was um, I was kind of at Kent on a, a academy contract. Uh, as uh, when I came back, I was lucky enough that I just kind of fell into fell into that a little bit and then then moved up to uh, Alton Park in, in Cheshire uh, uh, post kind of uni yeah nice okay cool so going back to this year um mm-hmm. I've, looked, I'm, I've never been a massively statistical person uh, to be honest um <laughs> but I, I was looking through some of the things um I probably more am with my own golf now than anything else but uh, I was looking to obviously Cheshire with the biggest win ratio uh, you're leading the MVP. Uh, there's other people that are doing really nicely from your team, and and, and one of the things that you, you may have touched on this already, really, but the team continuity. Um, you've only used 12 players, if that's right. I think Jack Williams and Charlie Barnard might have swapped places on one or two mm. occasions, but the, but the rest of the guy. How, how much do you put that down to your success this year? Well, yeah, hugely, hugely. I think. Um, one one thing to to hang a lot of credit on is um, Nick Anderson's leadership as well. I think Nick has been integral to to everything, all the all the kind of as you say, having that high win rate and having that that kind of very stable twelve players. I think he's really instilled in a lot of guys that um, playing well. It's integral that we do have a, a very close knit and use a certain amount of people. Uh, and it, it's yeah, as, as as I said before, it's it's huge, and we we do have that really fantastic closeness together as a side and it's one of those ones where we, we all get on together it's not um no one there's no fallout in the dressing room there's there's heated discussions but there's no we all get on very well and we'll have a beer after the game and, and enjoy our time so yeah I, th- I think it's i think it's huge if I'm, if I'm really honest i think having as i've said before having a, a together team beats a uh, beats a team of, of world beaters who don't really want to play with each other yeah absolutely and yourself and, and Sam Perry have done really well at the top of the order for you guys mm-hmm. do you, going into finals day are you gonna are you gonna feel a little bit of extra pressure because I suppose uh, what's great with your top order doing well is the fact that you're going to win a lot of games but also then what it means is that some of your lower order players probably haven't has had as much time at the crease as maybe they've wanted to so mm-hmm. is that something that you and Sam feel maybe going into finals day in all honesty, I haven't really thought about it. Um, you, you might but, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for putting the thought. Sorry about that. Um, but um, no, no, not really. I, I mean, we, me and Sam, we know each other very well. We've we're good mates away from cricket as well. Um, 
we we speak about it we know how how kind of what our strengths and weaknesses are itself i don't i, I would like to think I mean, obviously, when you get to the day, things change. But I definitely like to think that we just stay the same. We we, we have a huge confidence in in our batting lineup um, that we we bat very very deep, if not all the way down. Um, so, no, I I think we're we're just going to go in. We're going to do our thing. Control the controllables is a phrase that we like to use a lot. And um, yeah, and just and just keep doing what we're doing. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we uh, we just go in and and we do our best on the day. Perfect. Um, and you, just finally, you touched on Nick Anderson's leadership there in the T20 stuff. Obviously, you, once the T20 finishes, we're going to move into our one-day comp, then into our three-day comp, and you take the reins in, in both of those competitions mm-hmm. for Cheshire. So, are you looking forward to that? Um, yeah, yeah. Apprehensive. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm wondering if I can do as good a job as Nick. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I can't wait to uh, to go and lead the side out again. I think last year was a a massive learning curve for myself and understanding what the job kind of looks like and taking that on extra responsibility with the 50 over cricket is is just a, a another thing that I, I'm going to really look forward to uh, representing the county and trying to lead the county as much as as much as possible because it is a, a big pride to lead lead your county and and go from there so yeah absolutely i'm yeah massively looking forward to it and uh hopefully i can live up to uh the high standards that nick has set yeah absolutely and and just one last point actually uh what have you thought of the t20 competition as a whole and, and the standard of it because as we've traveled around i've got people's opinion on it and I, i'm not going to lead you down the road but it'd be, it'd be good to know from a playing perspective what your thoughts are of of the sort of structure of it and and the, and the standard that has been around this year. Um, if we if we pick that apart in terms of the structure, it's intense. It's an it's an intense structure. It's um, playing two games in a day. It's very easy to take your foot off the gas in the second game, for example. And that's kind of up to you as a player, as a leader, as a captain, and having your high standards in terms of in terms of that to to ensure that you really have that ruthlessness to uh, to go and win both games. So that's definitely something I, I would say having two two games on the bounce is, is definitely tough. In terms of standards, I, I think the standards are really high. I think a lot of people are coming in with some seriously good sides. And um, I think, I mean, you see some serious pros on the circuit at the moment, like playing against Ricky Vessels was, and I've, <laughs> I've watched Ricky Vessels on the telly plenty of times. It, it, I mean, it's, almost unfathomable so it's um yeah i think the standard of cricket in the 2020 competition is is very good as, as it as it speaks i i certainly would have no complaints no excellent and i think i think that's uh, that's the opinion that i've certainly got around and you mentioned people like the rickies of this world and, and they are great and we, we know they add a lot of value from their ability and their experience and they can add value to the younger players but i think what I've noticed this year is there's been a lot of the younger players that have made the step up uh, and are playing county cricket have come back and played in this competition um, who are mm-hmm. 23, 24. So we still keep that youth. We still keep the homegrown because they're all from national counties. They love going back and playing for the national counties. But it, it means mm-hmm. that the standard, the standard of our competition has been uh, has been amazing this year. I, I've been so impressed with some of the cricket I've seen. Um, uh, and hopefully... That's just we're just going to be able to build on that in the 50 over stuff, and we'll see more of our players excelling in the 50 over and getting an opportunity in the Royal London in a similar way to somebody like Alex Russell, for example, who's just signed a couple mm-hmm. of years at, at Northampton. Um, so yeah, yeah it, I, I'm glad you said that, and, and 
we appreciate that it's an intense structure and we've had lots of feedback in lots of different areas of it with regards to playing one or two games. Mm-hmm. It's I'm siding towards the two games because I think people like it if they're travelling a certain amount of time. Uh, I do actually think people have put a huge amount of effort into keeping the intensity uh, and having that ruthless streak in that second game. I think we've seen a lot of teams win both games this year. Um, but no, it's really, really great to get your uh, view on it. And obviously, um, you're you're leading the way in the MVP as we go into the finals. So uh, no doubt, I might talk to you again at some stage, uh, having <laughs> potentially won that, but no pressure. Um, but no, it's um, it, it's no, it's it's been uh, it's been good to sort of follow both yourself and, and Cheshire's progress. And I had, a, I had a, as Jim knows, I had a couple of years with Cheshire, so it's it's always okay. a character that I that I follow, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. But. Um, no, well, really, really good luck in the finals um, next next Sunday and good luck for the rest of the season, Rob, and, and, and thanks for having a bit of a chat with us. No worries, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Great to chat. Great stuff. Cheers, Rob. Thanks a lot. Cambridgeshire. Cambridgeshire County Cricket Club represents the historic county of Cambridgeshire and the Isle of Ely. The original county club established in 1844 is classified as a first-class team from 1857 to 1871, although the present club, founded in 1891, has always had minor status. Cambridgeshire has won the Minor Counties Championship once in 1963 and the Knockout Trophy twice in 1995 and 2003. Notable players to have represented Cambridgeshire include Jerry Alexander, Robert Carpenter, Thomas Hayward and England's Jack Hobbs and Mike Brearley. The club is based at March but also play games at Wisbeach, Saffron Walden and occasionally at Fenners, Cambridge University's ground. NCCA reviews and previews. More and Logan on the NCCA pod. It was pretty clear cut in Group 2 as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um... Again, it's one of those where Dorset had it in their in the palm of their hand, really, and it was in their their own destiny. And they were playing against Cornwall. Um, they batted first in their first game and scored 188 for four off their 20 overs. Uh, Sam Young scored 74, and Alex Eklund supported him really nicely with 63 not out. Um, Atik Javid again, who's had a really good start to the season, he finished with two for 24. Uh, and Cornwall, although they make a really good fist of it, they ended up 18 runs short. Um, with 170 for eight off their 20. Uh, Lewis Goldsworthy, who, who came back and played for them for the first time this year, I think, um, scored 48. And then there were two wickets for Brad Curry, Tom Preston, and Harry Broderick. So uh, pretty solid sort of solid performance, it looks like, from Dorset. Uh, and they put themselves in the driving seat for that second game, um, of which they batted first four again uh, and got just one, one run short of 200. Um, Thanks largely to the informed Sam Young, to say the least. Uh, he scored 103 off 60 balls, um, and Harry Broderick uh, added to his couple of wickets with 58 not out to support Sam getting to that total. Um, and it was it was too much for Cornwall. They, they ended up 47 runs short. Um, Christian Purchase, who'd, who'd he must have one of the highest strike rates um, up there with Ricky and the other boys because he. All the runs he's got this year have been mm. in very few balls. He got 45 off 19 balls uh, to set Cornwall sort of flying, but they couldn't um, they couldn't take advantage of that. Simon Woodruff put their brakes on with three for 45, uh, and Tom Prest added another couple of wickets to his two from the first game. So, yeah, it was all in their hands. They took advantage um, and two solid wins for, for Dorset. 
That was at Wadebridge. And meantime, at North Devon? Yeah, North Devon against Herefordshire. Um, Devon batted first in their first game uh, and got 140 for six, which looks like a pretty decent total. Uh, James Hall, a top score with 49 before he was run out. Um, and then Herefordshire went about getting him and what looks like a fairly comfortable chase. Um, Matt Pardo uh, scored 36 at the top of the innings uh, and then Phil Harris took it home. He scored 63 not out. Uh, and like I said, they had two, two and a bit overs to spare, eight wickets in hand. So uh, look what looks like a relatively comfortable victory for Herefordshire in the first game. Uh, and they, they kept their pads on. Um, kept the pads on and set 171 for eight um, in their in the in their first innings of the second game. Um, Matt Pardo uh, carried on his form from that first game and, and top scored with 61. Uh, and for Devon, Matt Schema uh, got four for 39. And as I understand it from looking at the things, mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure those four wickets all came in four balls, which is pretty pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> In the last over of the last over of the innings, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a hell of a, a hell of a uh, one way of dragging your figures back. That's for sure. So <laughs> yes. he ended he ended up with four thirty nine, um, and yeah, Devon went about chasing it, but ended up uh, forty odd runs short. Uh, they were one hundred and thirty one for nine. Sam Reid top scored for Devon with forty one, um, but James Ridge, who has again done pretty solidly and consistently all throughout this this summer so far he ended up with three for 22 so two victories for Herefordshire in, in that game but actually that had um that didn't have a huge amount of relevance uh, with Dorset sort of taking command of the of the group in the end okay um so group three um that was the one that was really boiling up wasn't it yeah and to be fair, all of them were, as we spoke about last week, yeah. which was great, but it, it really did ball up and it was a bit of a shootout um, at Welling Garden City. And, and that's actually where I spent my Sunday, which was very, very pleasant indeed, I must say. Really lovely club. Um, uh, nice to catch up with both counties. Uh, a great ground, which I've never been to before. The sun was shining. Um, so it was really well, well poised for a, a pretty exciting day. Uh, and it turned out to be that way. Um, Cambridge batted first in the in the first game uh, and they ended up 163 for six. And um, Ben Seabrook batted really nicely for 48. And Lee Thomason gave some impetus to the innings towards the end with 41 not out. Um, and Ben Waring again another solid performer. Uh, got two for 25 for Hertfordshire. Um, <clears throat> they went about chasing it and it was a it was a good chase. They seemed a little bit behind the eight ball to be honest, um, getting into the sort of middle of the innings, but then. As they came through towards the end, uh, Kishin Villani played a, a really great innings, very classy, uh, played some really good cricket shots. Um, there was certainly no slogging, uh, played some really elegant uh, elegant shots and a really great innings of 56 uh, off 28 balls. Uh, and he took them home, 56 not out, that was. Um, James Sykes ended up with three for 26 for Cams. But yeah, Hartford, who took that first game and were, were, were in the box seat going into the second one. Um, of which Cam's bat, batted first again. Um, so they made a slightly better uh, fist of it. They they got 166 in their first innings. Um, also for six wickets, Ben Seabrook again, yeah, obviously in really good form, batted really well. He ended up with 69 top scoring. Uh, Masil Khan uh, got two for 17 and Ben Waring added to his couple of wickets with two for 35. 
So it was all on all on the second innings. Um, and they looked to be going really well. Uh, Hertfordshire were 100 for two. Uh, Reese Hussain was 55. Uh, he then got run out. Um, and James Sykes came on. Uh, and Baldy's overs ended up 4 for 31 and just put the brakes on. Um, and it ended up Hertfordshire nine wickets down for 159 and a seven run short, which meant that Cambridgeshire won the second game. Hertfordshire won the first game. Ten points each down to run rate so mm. that was the calculators would have been out no doubt during that second game um but cams uh with a slightly better run rate of 0.89 have made it to finals day uh, just pipping Hertfordshire at the post of 0.9 and no doubt i think being 100 for two chasing 166 <clears throat> they'll feel like they've uh, they've let it slip there a little bit but um fair play to cams uh, i don't think there's much between those two teams at all um as obviously the table shows, but I, I don't think there was much uh, on the day either. Um, and at Manor Park, we had Norfolk and Lincolnshire. Yeah, Norfolk hosted Lincolnshire and, and Lynx batted first. Uh, 146 for six um, in their first innings. Joe Kendall, 70 off 53 balls. Uh, uh, Buzz Kemp got two for 35. And Brett Stolworthy, three for 20. And <clears throat> what looked like... Um, uh, a pretty pretty close game. Norfolk ended up 147-4 up there, 20 overs. Won by six wickets in the last over. Um, Sam Arlington obviously has done really well for Norfolk. Um, he was out in the first over, which would have been a big boost to Lynx, no doubt. Um, James Dobson ended up with three for 20. Um, but Tom New, uh, as he did a few times last year, I remember talking about, showed his experience, um, 62 not out of 50 balls, and just guided them home. So, a good win in that first game for Norfolk. And the second one? The second one, more of the same. Links back first again. Uh, 150 for nine off there, 20 this time. Uh, John, uh, Tom Keast, who's been in great nick all season. Um, high up in the MVP uh, with his catches as well. He top scored with 38. Joe Kendall added to his 70 with a 35. Uh, and Ryan Finley with four for 16 led the way for Norfolk, supported by... Uh, Mr. Economy, as I talked about last week, uh, Cameron Graveling with three for 30. Um, and yeah, the, the game looked looked like it fizzled a little bit. Norfolk ended up 98 for seven off there, 20, 50 odd runs short. Um, James Dobson did more of the damage with two for 18. Mark Footit um, helped with that, four overs, two for 13. Uh, and Brett Stolworthy top scored with uh, 33. But yeah, they, they fell quite short there. So one one win apiece again in Group Three in that uh, second set of games with uh, Norfolk winning the first game and Lynx winning the second game. Okay, that's Group Three. Group Three, and just to, to just to cover off the uh, final standings, yeah. we had Norfolk at uh, Norfolk and Suffolk both playing eight games with six points. Lynx playing eight games with eight points, and then as we've said, uh, Cams and Hearts playing eight uh, games with ten points, but Cams. Going through to finals day to join Dorset and Cheshire um, with better run rate. All your National Counties Cricket Association news. The NCCA podcast. Right, so Richard, that leaves us with uh, T20 Group 4. Indeed, and this was another another shootout. Uh, Oxford did sit at the top of the table with 10 points, but obviously Beds and Barks, uh, who met in this first set of games, were lurking behind them on eight points each so it was um it was in either of those hands really if they if either team were going to go away and win both games that they'd, they'd have qualified but um 
Berkshire in that first game, uh, as we get to it, Berkshire batted first with them and scored 163. Uh, they were all out in the final over. Uh, Toby Albert top scored with 44, uh, and Ewan Woods got to a pretty quick fire 43. Uh, Cashy Valley, uh, who's been a solid performer all season, um, finished with three for 19 for beds. Uh, and as they went about chasing it, he also got some runs. He was 58, not out. Um, George Thurston opened the batting, also got 30, but they fell a few runs short in the end. Um, 24, 24 runs short, um, and Andy Rishton, uh, as he does so many times, led the attack for Berkshire with two for 26. So Berkshire had certainly got their noses ahead at this stage, gone on to 10 points, level with Oxford, um, and it looked like it was either going to be Berkshire or uh, a three-way tie, and a three-way tie ended up. <laughs> Bedfordshire <laughs> batted first in that second game, uh, 193 for three, which is a great effort and would have really helped their run rate. Um, Cashy Valley, uh, again, another solid performance, 65 with a ball uh, with a bat, sorry, supported by Eddie Ballard, who got 41 off to his 26 balls. And again, Andy Rishton did some damage, four for 30, uh, so he had a really solid weekend with the ball. Uh, and then Berkshire chasing them. Now, this is where all the calculators would have come out, and it's a bit above my head, so I'll leave, all leave it to the uh, the peoples with the computers and the scorers. But ultimately, Berkshire ended up being all out for 162 off 19.2 overs. Uh, Ewan Woods got some more runs. He, he top scored with 35. Uh, and Jamie Cronje um, bowled and got fourth 18 for Bedfordshire. He was their leading wicket taker. And at this point, I was watching vivid, like avidly on, um, on on play cricket, and it was uh, a refresh, a refresh, a refresh, hmm. and it was it was Berkshire at the top, then Bedfordshire at the top, and then I refreshed it. And as the was, final results came in, Oxfordshire leapfrogged both of them and went back to the top. <laughs> so I think in the end, Berkshire and Bedfordshire kind of just nullified each other, hmm. did each other out, out of it, and and yeah, it's uh, and Oxfordshire have, have come out on top and, and won that group. So uh, it was a. <laughs> Obviously, extremely exciting. Uh, I know Nick Archer was was there at uh, Antill as well. So it's um, yeah. Unfortunately for those two teams, they've I think they kind of uh, they did it sort of crossed each other out. So uh, no doubt, really frustrating, but great for Oxfordshire. Um, and and just to cover off the the other two games in, in the in the group, it was Wales uh, versus Buckinghamshire. Uh, Wales batted first and got 161. Uh, Morgan Bevans in I think his first game. Uh, top scored with 62 off just 28 balls. And then there was two wickets for Tom Ways, John Bird and Tim, Tom Hampton, Michael Payne and Jack Rodnight. They all got two for. Um, so that was their 10 wickets. And then Books went about chasing it and ended up 20 runs short. Uh, Alex Cavese top scored with 40 uh, and Jason Folks um, with three for 18 led the way for Wales. So a pretty good win there for Wales in their first game. Um and that continued into the second game. They batted first again, uh, posted 191. Um, Connor Brown and Tom Bevan uh, put on 143 for the first wicket. Uh, Connor ended up with 72 and Tom 78. Um, Jack Rodnett, Rob Knight uh, got two for 44. And then Books just fell three wins short. So a hell of a chase, trying to chase down 190. Uh, Elliot Callis, who'd been in good form, a real good striker of the ball by all accounts. Uh, he ended up with 57. Uh, Conrad Louth, 57 not out, and Ross Richardson, 45 not out. But they uh, they couldn't quite get over the line. Uh, and probably thanks to Kieran Ball's bowling, um, he ended up with three for 20 for Wales. So 
two pretty decent wins for Wales to finish in a in a fairly positive vein going into the 50 over comp. Um, but yeah, as we've said, the table books just got uh, two points from their eight games. Uh, Wales finished with eight points um, off their eight games, two behind uh, Berkshire, Bedfordshire and Oxfordshire, who all finished on 10. But with a run rate of 0.23 ahead of Bedfordshire's 0.21 and Berkshire's 0.01, um, Oxfordshire have got through to the finals to, to back up their championship victory last year. So um, a good place to be playing at the moment, obviously, Oxfordshire. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, that is all close, isn't it? That's very close. But we have our four finalists. We do indeed. So as we've said, uh, finals day is on the 22nd of May. It will be at Tring Park Cricket Club. Um, we have got Oxfordshire versus Cheshire at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's our first game. Second game, it will kick off at 1.30, and that's Dorset versus Cams. And then, obviously, the winners will play in the final uh, at 4 o'clock. Times may vary slightly, obviously, depending on weather. I don't want to tempt fate, so I'm not even going to say anything about the weather, but the forecast looks good. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that's going to be a really great day, and we'll see some some great cricket. I hope we just see a lot of runs. Um, Tring's obviously a, a good wicket, Um Really nice, really, really nice ground. So I think there will be lots of runs scored, and uh, fingers crossed, uh, it will be a great day. And that's that's where the four four day final was last year, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. So we know that we we know the place really well uh, from a hosting perspective. Uh, shout out to Tring; they've been absolutely brilliant in the pre- preparation for it. And um, I think everything's in place now. Tickets are for sale, and um, so they're on social media, on our accounts, they're on our website. So yeah, please. If you want to come down to the day, get onto those platforms and click through and, and tickets are for sale. So uh, it'll be great to have a really good crowd there. We've got lots going on. We've got a kids zone with bouncy castle and stuff for the kids to keep them entertained. We've got coffee and cakes. We've got a bar. We've got a barbecue running. Uh, and obviously we've got three really great games of cricket, hopefully. And uh, car parking, which is vital. Yeah, there's all car parking on the site. Luckily with Tring, they've got two cricket grounds and one is going to be used as as a car park. So right. yeah, there's, there's there's parking on site. It's really easily accessible. And like I said, um, uh, sort of big big thank you to Tring. They've been they've been great in the, in the preparation and the planning for this this final. Do you know I can remember in the in the seventies the John Player League, the Sunday John Player League, and I'm certain that uh, that Northamptonshire played at um, played at Tring. Do you know what I? I I think that is the case. Um, I, from my memory, I used to, we used to play at Stowe School, and we, I used to play a lot at Campbell Park in Milton Keynes. Um, but uh, Tring does ring the bell. Mm. Um, I, my, my my memory is not very good for last week, let alone we're going back oh, lots, <laughs> lots of years. I'm not even going to say, say how many years now, but um, yeah, nearly thirty, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's it, it is it's a really nice ground. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a really great time there at the championship game, uh, championship final last year that went into the fourth day um, due to the quality of the wicket and everything else and the, the weather we had and, and obviously the quality of the two sides as well. But it's, uh, it, is a, it is a really good place. Mm. So I'm looking forward to going back there. Great stuff. Herefordshire. Although a county club was established in 1836, the present Herefordshire County Cricket Club came into being in 1992. The county replaced Durham in the Minor Counties Championship, Durham having been granted first-class status. Herefordshire has won the championship once, sharing the title with Norfolk in 2002. They have won the knockout trophy twice in 2000 and 2016. Famous players to have represented Herefordshire include Martin McCaig, Neil Radford, Chris Wokes, Kevin Cooper, Harvey Trump and West Indies test star Alvin Kalacharan. 
Herefordshire's picturesque home grounds are spread across the county and include Brockhampton, East Nor, Colwall and Luctonians CC near Lempster. The NCCA Most Valuable Player here on the pod. OK, shall we have a look at the MVP? Indeed. So <clears throat> we've uh, we've obviously talked to, to Rob, who's been pretty, um, pretty integral to this all the way through the season. And he was no different this week. Um, with the weekly winners, we had Sam Young from Dorset. Again, it's, obviously, everyone's in good form if they're in the MVP, aren't they? So Sam Young uh, was in third place for the weekly one uh, from Dorset. He ended up with 17 points. Cashy Valley for beds um, with 18 points came second. And then, as we've said, uh, and we spoke to him earlier, Rob Semi is top of the table of the weekly ones with 19 points. And that's actually propelled him well clear in the overall standings as well. But um, we've got Cashy Valley in third place with 37 points. Tom Keys from Lynx um, with 41. Uh, and yeah, Rob's out right on top with 48. So I've had a look through some of the things. Because obviously, with the group stages over now, uh, nobody else can can catch him other than the people that are playing in finals day. And although uh, they could catch him, it's going to be it's, it's going to be take a hell of an effort, I think, because we've got um, we, we've got the the two leaders from Cams, uh, Wayne White and James Sykes, both on twenty seven points, so they're a little bit behind. Uh, Harrison Ward started like an absolute gun uh, and has uh, has added a little bit to his to his total. Uh, he's on thirty one points. We've got Rob uh, on forty eight. Uh, another Cheshire player who's on 31 is Michael Finnan. Um, again, he's he's been just a constant theme of wickets through through the group stages. And then, as we've already mentioned, uh, Sam Young from Dorset, uh, he's on 34 points. So to catch Rob on 48, it's going to be a hell of an effort. But there is potentially two games for one of those uh, one of those players. So uh, or, or or a few of those players even uh, to to catch him. But yeah, it's. Um, they're going to be crossing their fingers that Cheshire are knocked out and Rob gets north and doesn't take any catches. <laughs> Which, <laughs> boy, going up, going on the past form, that's that's unlikely, but you never know. <laughs> okay, okay, um, and uh, of course we'll we'll uh, have a, a preview of Finals Day again next week, uh, and we've got some guests lined up as well. Future weeks, haven't we? Yeah, not? we have, we have, we've got some guests lined up. So because we've got no cricket this weekend, uh, we're going to have quite a few different people on to. Uh, talk about cricket, talk about their roles within NCCA and uh, preview the finals. So we'll try and uh, we'll get somebody on from each of the finalists and, and have, a, have a similar chat that we did with Rob just to get a bit of an insight on how their group stages have gone, their thoughts on the T20 and obviously how they're preparing for, uh, for finals there. The National Counties Cricket Association want to hear from you. We're running podcasts throughout the season aiming to bring you all the news from across the counties, previewing and reviewing games and talking to key contributors from on and off the field. And of course, we want to hear from you. Tell us what's happening, give us your views on anything NCCA and be our eyes and ears across the country. Anything you want to hear? Anybody we should be speaking to? Keep up to date with what's happening at nationalcountiesca.co.uk and email us at info at nationalcountiesca.co.uk. Okay, and you're uh, presumably the golf clubs are out for you this weekend then? Uh, potentially, potentially. I've got a football tournament tomorrow uh, with my son. He plays he plays in, uh, in a football team, so I'll be there most of the afternoon. And then uh, I think there's a barbecue and a bit of relaxing. But yeah, I, listen, I don't need uh, I don't need a second invitation <laughs> to get the golf clubs out. So <laughs> hopefully they'll be coming out at some stage. Brilliant. Okay, mate. Good. 
Well, uh, we'll catch up again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good weekend off, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers. From Northumberland to Norfolk, Cumbria to Cornwall, we've got National Counties Cricket covered. 